In today's episode, I'll share how I increased clicks on my Reddit ad by 15% by just changing one line of copy. But I didn't use a textbook marketing tactic. I used a genuine magic trick, one that magicians have been using for hundreds of years. It's a really cracking show, but first, here is a podcast that I'd recommend you check out. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct-to-consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Nudge Podcast with me, your host, Phil Agnew. Now, I've always been fascinated by magicians, and I don't mean magicians who do card tricks with sleight of hand. I mean magicians like Darren Brown and David Blake. They're probably better known as illusionists rather than magicians because they make it seem like they can read your mind. I always remember a Darren Brown trick from the mid-2000s. It's with Simon Pegg. He's the actor behind Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Darren somehow predicts what Simon's childhood dream present was. He correctly predicts that it's a red BMX bike, which astounds Simon. But then he gets Simon to open this big box that's been sitting in the corner of the room since the trick began. And of course, sitting in the box is a red BMX bike, the exact type that Simon dreamed of as a child. Now, I can't begin to say how Darren does this, but I know that a lot of his tricks are rooted in basic psychology. Robert Cialdini talks about this in his book, Presuasion. Now, Robert Cialdini shares in the book that as a student, he studied palm reading. <laughs> this, this surprised me, right? The great social scientist Robert Cialdini also reads palms, but he explains that it wasn't because he believed in palm reading or that he thought it was a good way to learn about someone. He just wanted an excuse to talk to people at parties, and I think that's fair enough. Anyway, he went to heaps of lessons on this subject, learning all there is about palmistry, as it's known, and he got really good. He read people's palms and he would accurately predict things about their lives. Whether they were happy, whether they were sad, whether they were in a loving relationship, whether they were in need of an adventure. This surprised Cialdini. He was a rational guy and he couldn't quite believe how accurate his predictions were. So he tried something. He read someone's palm and then he'd tell them the complete opposite of what he was supposed to say. See, palmistry has lots of rules about what different lines on the palm mean. But rather than following the script, Robert Cialdini said the complete opposite. But the people who he was reading, they reacted in the exact same way. They said, gee, how did you know that? Gosh, that's me. No matter what he predicted, he was always accurate. That's when Cialdini realised It wasn't that reading palms was good at predicting someone's life and figuring out what they felt. It was the questions he was asking. See, palm reading forces you to ask specific questions about your subjects. Questions that are weighted in a certain way to elicit a specific answer. For example, he'd say, I can sense you've had some unhappiness in your life recently. Are are there any examples that come to mind? Now, 
To the average bloke off the street, this sounds like a normal, reasonable question. But it's not. The way that this question is framed forces people to think of unhappy moments. All of us have very varied lives with highs and lows, so even an above-average happy person can immediately think of a few moments in their recent past where they felt unhappy. So when people hear this question, they respond by saying, oh yeah, you're right, I have been a bit unhappy recently, and they're shocked that Cialdini could predict such a thing. But of course, he didn't predict anything. He just framed a question in a way that forces those memories to mind. Then the confirmation bias kicks in, making the subject really feel like they have been unhappy. There are studies that back this up, by the way. There was a piece of research done with Canadians who, ironically, are seen as people who are much happier than the average person. The Canadians were asked either if they were unhappy or happy with their social lives. Those who asked if they were unhappy were far more likely to encounter dissatisfactions as they thought about it, and consequently were 375% more likely to declare themselves unhappy. Now, there's no reason why they should have been more unhappy. That was a random 50% sample. And yet, just by asking, are you unhappy, made people 375% more likely to say that they were. Palmistry isn't about reading palms. It's about asking the right questions. Now, I find this all a little twisted, and Cialdini agrees. He goes on to share how frightening this psychological phenomenon can be. For example, if a politician wants to prove that people are unhappy with something that their rival party has done, they just need to ask a question which primes people to think of unhappy responses. Like, how angry were you when members of the Blue Party did this? Or how upset did you feel when members of the Red Party said that? These single-shoot questions force certain results, and you should never ask them when you're conducting market research. Instead, you should always try and use two-sided questions, like how satisfied or dissatisfied are you with this brand? Or are you unhappy or happy with the mayor's performance in office? Or to what extent do you agree or disagree with this country's current approach to the Middle East? These kind of inquiries invite you to consult your feelings even-handedly. Asking the right questions can clearly have a powerful effect on people. Expert magicians like Darren Brown do it, and novice palm readers follow suit. But can you apply this to a business? Will it help you in your marketing? To find out, I spoke with Caitlin Borgoyne. She's a consumer psychology expert and writes one of the world's most popular newsletters on that subject. Here's her explaining how it can work for a business. Maybe I can start by answering that by asking you a question, Phil. So my question to you is this. Do some of your aspirations feel a little unrealistic at times? Well, good question. Uh, yes. Right. So that question, if your listeners ask themselves that same question, they might say, yes, I, I also feel like sometimes my aspirations are a bit unrealistic and I've got these huge goals and dreams and maybe they are a bit unrealistic. And they would say, you know, she's really speaking to me with that question. Caitlin gets me. And the reality is that that is what's known as a Barnum statement. And a Barnum statement is a general characterization that is focused on an individual, but is so broad that it could apply to almost anyone. 
So one of the places where you'll see these is in horoscopes, right? When you read your horoscope, oftentimes it is like, oh my God, it's like you are going to have an encounter with a person about a financial like thing, right? That's not very articulate, but it could be something like that. And you'll go, that did happen. You know, I just went with my banker or I, you know, I had a, I had a conversation with a potential client, like, yes, yes, this is accurate to me. But almost anybody reading that, regardless of when they're born, would be able to say, yes, like that resonates with me. And so Barnum statements, they feel really personal, which helps us to feel like we're trusting kind of the individual more because they get us, but they're often they're often general enough that they could apply to almost anyone. So kind of a few more examples could be something like security is one of your major goals in life. Most people will go, yes. I mean, that deeply resonates with me. And most people go, yeah, that's absolutely me. And then if they start with that statement, then as they start to introduce their offer, something that's going to help you to feel like you have more security or give you more security, it aligns with your perception of yourself. Caitlin describes this as a Barnum statement. I hadn't heard about Barnum statements before, so I asked Caitlin what a Barnum statement is and where they come from. It was named after a entrepreneur who was um, actually he owned a uh, traveling road show, like a um, uh, what is what did they used to call these? Uh, a circus. He owned a circus, and of course, at the circus, if you'd ever seen the fortune teller, they would ask you these questions and then read your fortune, and people would leave with their mind blown. And you know, magicians do this all the time. Fortune tellers do this, and it was named after him. This idea that you can use this like psychology shortcut, basically, to persuade people that they would be able to that you know more about them and that you were able to have this amazing gift of, you know, reading into the future or seeing the past. So it was named after him. After learning about the Barnum effect, I became really interested in all the different ways it could be applied. So I started to do some research. I found this great study by Balkan and Anderson. They wanted to see if the Barnum effect could increase how likely someone was to say yes to a survey. Now, their experiment didn't involve online studies that are super easy to answer. No, this was a dread-inspiring clipboard-carrying survey where researchers try to stop you in the street. Most people flat out ignore these researchers, right? That's what I do. It's probably what you do. And that's what Balkan and Anderson found. When they went up to people, clipboard in hand, and asked for a few minutes of your time to answer a survey, only 29% of people agreed to participate. But... Balkan and Anderson thought they could boost compliance without resorting to any costly payments or any other tactics. They just decided to use the Barnum effect. They stopped a second sample of individuals and began the interaction with a Barnum statement. They asked, do you consider yourself a helpful person? Following a brief reflection, nearly everyone said yes. In that moment, after the subjects had confirmed their helpful nature, the researchers then asked if they'd take part in the survey. Now, 77.3% of people volunteered. That's pretty good, right? You can boost survey participation by three times simply by asking a Barnum Effect question. But that's just survey respondents. I wondered if it could get people to actually try a new product, and it turns out it does. In another study from Robert Cialdini's book, Persuasion, one that I shared a few episodes back on Nudge, two scientists found that it was possible to increase the willingness to try an unfamiliar consumer product by asking a Barnum-inspired question at the start. 
In the experiment, the researchers were trying to sell a new soft drink. Individuals had to agree to give their email address so they could be sent instructions on how to get a free sample. Half were stopped in the street and asked if they wanted to provide their email address for this purpose, and as you can imagine, only 33% volunteered their contact information. The other subjects were first asked, do you consider yourself to be someone who is adventurous and likes to try new things? Now, this is a Barnum statement, so unsurprisingly, almost everybody said yes to this, and afterwards, After asking if they want to give their email address, 75.7% said yes. It's an incredible result. But these are studies. They're not real-world businesses. I asked Caitlin if she had any more examples of how businesses could apply this. Well, I think it's a, it can work really well for writing really compelling hooks. So if you are writing, maybe you're writing a new blog post... Maybe you are you know, writing a tweet and you want people to read that first line and want to proceed to the next line. So it works really well in that sense, because if you, especially when posed as a question, it works great there. Another way to do it, which I think can, I've, I've not seen a lot of this, but I think it could be really, really effective is by creating quizzes. So people, again, it comes down to this, like our and, you know, desire to kind of understand ourselves, to make sense of ourselves. And so you'll see quizzes, you know, silly ones from BuzzFeed, like, you know, which character of friends are you? And the questions that they ask are ones that people will probably answer, you know, not, people could answer any of them and be like, yeah, that's accurate to me. Um, or maybe you could create a quiz like, you know, do you have an entrepreneurial mind? Like, and ask people questions about, themselves. And most of the answers are probably going to lead them to saying, yes, I do have an entrepreneurial mind. And maybe then you let them know about your newsletter or you let them know about a new book that you're working on. So I think quizzes is a big one, Um, you know, writing compelling hooks, and then just as a way to build trust with your audience that you really get them. And um, a really great example of this is from uh, Dickie Bush. He's one of the co-creators of a program known as Ship 30 for 30. Great program. I haven't done it myself, but people that have just rave about it. And it's designed to help you to become a digital writer by kind of making it a habit and shipping a new mini essay every day for 30 days. And on his sales page, He says, do you have plenty of ideas, but struggle to put yourself out there? Do you find yourself creating draft after draft, never hitting publish? Like these questions resonate with many, many people. And again, they feel deeply personal. And so I think using questions in your landing pages, using questions in as kind of a hook for content you're creating online, those are great applications of the Barnum effect. This is all fascinating stuff. But on Nudge Podcast, I don't just follow advice blindly. I like to test it out. I want to make sure this stuff really works. So I ran a test, a test that all of you can replicate if you like. It tests the Barnum effect in an advert to try and prove if it really works. And I'll share the results after this quick 60 second break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. 
It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. So I set up this test to see if the Barnum effect works in advertising and marketing. For my test, I created two Reddit ads. Now, these ads encourage people to listen to this very podcast. So listen carefully, folks, because some of you probably were part of this experiment yourself. The ads were shown to people in the UK and the US who interacted with marketing subreddits on Reddit. Both of the ads linked to my Apple podcast listing, and I was measuring how many people would click the ad and how many people would go and download the show. The first ad, the control, had no Barnum question. It said, ditch boring business podcasts, try nudge. Now, I should say that that's what some reviewers say about the show, so that's not me being exaggerating there. I I do hope I'm a bit more modest than that. But anyway, that's the line I went with. And next to that text, I put a few of my five-star reviews. You can see a picture of that very ad in the show notes as well. So you can click on that if you want to take a look. The second ad was identical to the first, except here the copy read, board of business podcasts, question mark, try nudge. Now this is a classic Barnum question. Most marketers will be able to remember listening to a boring business podcast. After all, there are a fair few of them out there. So most will probably think, yep, in the past, I've been a bit bored listening to a business podcast. So yeah, I should be up for trying something new. And that's what I hoped. I hoped people would think that and then they would be more likely to click and listen to Nudge. But the results, well, they surprised even me because the effect was really noticeable. The Barnum Effect ad was 15% more effective than the control. It drove a much larger amount of people to my podcast and resulted in heaps more listeners. A 15% improvement from changing just two words and adding a question mark is seriously impressive. Remember, the image is identical. I just changed those two words and added a question mark. At this stage, I should clarify that this isn't peer-reviewed. I only spent $200. The ad was seen by 350,000 people, but it hasn't been cited in a peer-reviewed journal. However, for me, that's not the point. I just want to test it. I want to try it out myself and share, honestly, my feedback with you all. I would share if it worked and I would share if it didn't. And for me, this time, it did. So again, please do take a look at the ads in the show notes if you want to have a closer look. Asking the right questions is a great way to boost your marketing, and I'd encourage you all to try it out. But it's not just businesses where this can be applied. It works for speed daters too. Alison Wood-Brooks and her colleagues have found that when people are getting to know each other, those that ask more questions are better liked, and speed daters who ask more questions are more likely to get second dates. And researchers Katie Milkman, Angela Duckworth and Dana Gromay found it can help students achieve their academic goals. For their experiment, they enlisted 2,000 students across seven Florida high schools. Some filled out a short digital questionnaire, but others were invited to do something quite out of the ordinary. Now, all of their lives, these students, like all students, had been given advice to stay focused in class, to to do more practice problems before tests, and to always turn in their homework on time. For this experiment, however, it would be different. This time, the students would be asked not to take advice, but to give advice. 
They were asked, what advice would you give to others who are taking this class? That's something that students don't get asked very much. And lo and behold, the strategy worked. The students who had just given a few minutes of advice performed better in their classes than other students. To be clear, giving a handful of study tips to other students didn't turn C students into A students, but it did boost performance for high schoolers from every walk of life. Strong students, weak students, students in the free lunch program and students from wealthier families all saw small improvements in their grades after advising peers. Asking the right questions is clearly underrated. Ask the right ones and you'll improve your ads, you'll improve your relationships and you'll make yourself into a fine palm reader. So there might be one question you're asking yourself right now, which is, what should I listen to next? Well, if you enjoyed this show, I would suggest you go back and listen to my previous episode with Caitlin. It's called Three Nudges I Wish I Had Learnt at Business School. It's a cracking lesson. And if you want to find out why some Super Bowl ads flop while others triumph, then go and listen to that show. And please go and check out Caitlin's content as well. Her newsletter is absolutely brilliant. Every week, she looks at a nudge and breaks it down, explaining how to apply it to marketing. I've dropped a link to her newsletter in the show notes, so you can go sign up there. She also runs a brilliant Twitter account as well, so go check that out too. And while you're signing up for newsletters, please go and sign up for the Nudge newsletter. On that, I share tips each week applying behaviour science to marketing. Um, you'll get tips every Monday and announcements when new shows go live. So it's really worth signing up to. So if you want to do that, go click at the link in the show notes to sign up. And um, one more thing, I have got a TikTok account where I share short videos walking through some of the weird, irrational ways our brains make decisions. I share tips about how to make more memorable marketing, the world's best billboard, and the genius behind Red Dead Redemption's advertising. So if you're interested in that, and if you're on TikTok, search for Nudge Pod, that's Nudge Pod, and give me a follow. Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening.